Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we have another special guest with us. We have with us Dr. Ali Bassoon, who first and foremost is a medical doctor who trained at King's, obviously one of the best medical schools Not one, in the, the whole world. The best. The best <laughs> whole in the world. He's an NHS clinic entrepreneur and is currently the CPO at MediShout. But more interestingly enough, he has more than seven years of startup experience working at existing ventures such as digital surgery, or many of you may know as touch surgery from the early phases up until acquisition. He has more than 10 years of med ed experience. And me and Ams are personally some of his students he taught while at med school um, how to pass our OSCE. So it's a massive pleasure to have you on the show today, Ali. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks. It's a pleasure to join you. (laughs) So as is the, the tradition we've scrubbed in, we know you did amazing work. You've had an amazing career so far, but take it all the way to the very beginning. You know, as a young man, when you decided to do medicine and, you know, how you end up at King's. Okay. Um, so I, I think I always wanted to do medicine. Uh, I think a lot of people fall into this category where you really enjoy science uh, and you're not quite sure um, yeah, where to sort of take that. Um, and then I really wanted to help people and do something impactful uh, with my career. Mm. Um, so uh, I had two passions. Uh, I had um, graphic design oh, wow. uh, <laughs> and um, and I was thinking about healthcare. And I, I told my parents, hey, I'm thinking something like um, being a doctor or going into graphic <laughs> design. And they're like, well, Ali, since you said it, uh, yeah. <laughs> the magic word, you're going to become a doctor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you put yourself into that trap. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the, the application process and kind of how life was at King's. Cause when I see King's as a balance of like a really good social life and academia as kind of compared to other universities, but tell us your experience. Okay. Um, so um, getting to King's, um, so I actually applied for um, the uh, MBBS course, um, the standard uh, five-year program, but then um, the university got back to me and said, um, we'd actually like to offer you the extended medical degree program, EMDP. Mm. Um, mm. And to me, it's like, well, if it's as, as, as long as I graduate with the same thing, I'm more than happy to do <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and actually, okay. I think that really helped me significantly um, as part of mm. my journey. Um, so that's something I'm really proud of. And I think, um, you know, King's College London was one of the first um, or one of the early people to start extending uh, medical de- uh, the medical programs to um, not great schools. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I was the, the third person to do medicine from my school, like ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. So, I mean, it, it's, it's quite, a, yeah, it's quite a fascinating thing. Um, uh, and one of the other person who went to do medicine uh, was uh, Adam Hafez. Um, oh, that he, is another legend oh, you for remember the people the that don't know. <laughs> um, yes, another legend from the program. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I, I, I followed in his footsteps in a way. Um, yeah. yeah, and um, yeah. Once I joined the, started the medical school, it was it's a really enjoyable experience. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, and a lot a lot of cultures, a lot of things to do, a lot of things to learn. Yeah. No. Tell us a little bit about that transition. So you went from a state school, one of the very very few to ever get into medicine. You come into medicine now. You're part of the sort of the medical cohort. What was that culture shock like? What was life like? What? How did lectures hit you? Because um, it's very different when you come from a state school background. Because we come from a similar background, exactly. And you could you can feel that transition, that change. Yeah. 
Well, the first thing I tell people is I thought I was clever until, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, because, you know, uh, they offered us three A levels. Uh, and, mm. you know, that's what, you know, when you apply to university, that, that's all you need. Um, and I mm. turned up to uh, I, I turned up to uh, university and then everyone had four or five A-levels. And I was like, what? That was even on the what? table. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, one of the things that um, you learn is um, how, to, how to learn and how to study. Because I feel like mm. um, with a lot of state schools... Um, they focus on the average student. Um, and so the bar is very low. So you never, you don't really push the boundaries for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So you end up just saying, okay, I'm going to get the grades I need and just progress to the next stage. Uh, and you end up procrastinating a lot. Um, yeah. mm. So that was a bit of a, um, the, the, yeah, the amount of hours you had to put in, I think was, um, was more than I expected. Uh, going yeah. in but also um i am a i'm a very passionate believer in procrastinating but um oh. but when you procrastinate i say when you procrastinate it make it, make it count uh mm-hmm. yeah oh. so, uh, so how do you of, make it count how do you so make it you, count? yeah how do you make how do you make because this is important for us now and okay. everyone else listening <laughs> okay how do you make procrastination count okay uh so for example um one of the okay, one of the big things I like, uh, I loved sort of um, going out and doing things. I was involved in a lot of student societies and groups, but mm-hmm. every society um, I signed up for, I got involved with um, the um, like the, the team that managed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so by the end of my time in medical school, I had held committee positions at thirteen different societies. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like the full range of every single thing. And that really gave me like a, um yeah. amazing experience, management experience, teaching experience, um, like exploring cultures, languages, um, mm. uh, yeah, management, organizational skills. And yeah. I think we mentioned this in a previous episode where it's good to get involved in these societies and university extracurricular work rather than kind of get in like keep your head down try smash out your exams because you get this range of skill sets which is very difficult to come by once you graduate um because you're so caught up in in the world of work so i'm glad you echoed that and it's obviously evident in your career um tell us how you you got involved in the startup world because when you did it we were obviously quite a few years junior to you mm, yeah. it wasn't really heard of or we didn't pay much attention to it as much as we do yeah. now right like everyone's a co-founder now in med school yeah. like as soon as you come <laughs> into med school you're a co-founder yeah I, re- I remember actually back when we were ali's junior i thought ali was crazy yeah i thought he's a, he's a medic what is he doing and now i'm sitting in a position where yeah. i love entrepreneurship i love the startup world yeah. um so yeah talk us through yeah. the time you went you okay. unearthed that side of you. Yeah. I'll just echo something that you said there, which was um, almost everyone I spoke to um, kept mm. telling me, Ali, stop this crap. Uh, in medicine, <laughs> you keep, keep your head down until you're a consultant and then you can do whatever you like. Um, yeah. And I wasn't satisfied with that. And I'll, I'll go into why a bit later. Um, mm. So one of the, um, so medical school year one, um, mm. Uh, I got involved in surgical simulation just because, so someone was doing a demonstration of a surgical simulator. Um, and I personally was really keen on doing surgery. Um, mm. 
so I said, I said, okay, let me go check it out. And this is really cool. So I tried it. I, I loved it because essentially it was a VR simulator. So you're doing mm-hmm. laparoscopic surgery um, and you've got the, the instruments for your hands and you're looking at a screen and doing a procedure. It was a nephrectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it because I love I love video games and I was like, wow, like this is this is the bridge between gaming and um, doing surgery. So I asked, hey, can I get involved? Is there anything I can do? Um, and this, I think this is one thing that everyone should try. Like there's so many opportunities out there. Everyone keeps asking, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? Opportunities are everywhere. You just have to ask for it. Um, so I said, you know, is there anything I can do? So they got me involved in a research project. Um, mm-hmm. So I started helping out at the Sim Lab and then... Uh, before the end of my first year, essentially I was doing half a day a week at a sim lab. Um, and initially it was like setting up and helping to run all the VR stuff. Um, and then I learned how to do all the procedures. And then after my second year of medical school, I decided I really want to get away, like move, not just do the VR stuff, but start to do the mm. the benchtop models uh, because okay. they were a lot more realistic mm. in how they feel and how they behave. Um, I think there's there's uh with the vr stuff there's a lot you can learn in terms of cognitively the steps of a procedure and what to do but you're not never going to get the tactile um and the behavioral Mm. stuff um so uh, i set myself the class like okay i'm gonna build a trainer for laparoscopic training um at home i'm gonna really skill up on my skills and then by before the end of summer uh, i'll go back to speak to i I had some really really um encouraging profs who mentored me Mm. Um, so, um, there's, uh, from A&E, uh, Peter J, um, at the time mm. he was looking after, um, uh, the sim lab at, uh, the sales center, uh, guys and Tommy's, um, yeah. Professor Prokhar Deskupta, a urologist mm. at Guy's hospital. Ah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Shamim Khan. Yeah. Mm. Um, actually the whole urology team, the, the, the entire urology team, all the consultants there, they're so supportive, so encouraging, um, Ben Chalikum, another one. Um, uh, yeah, we uh, were, yeah. we were on his firm. We were on his firm. Yeah. yeah. And I remember he took us into theatre, like Legend. I loved it. And there were like two Australian surgeons that came over for fellowship. Yeah. And it was just pure banter. Uh, but yeah, that department yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, a great academic department. They are like a publishing powerhouse. Um, mm. So I uh, started working with them. Uh, they're the, the urologists who are doing the sim stuff. Um, I published a few papers with them. Um, I asked mm. um, Prokar. Um, can I get my hands on some laparoscopic needle holders? Uh, I want to mm. practice at home. So um, mm. we spoke to the, um, we actually, I think we spoke to the Olympus rep um, and they yeah. let us, they let me borrow some instruments. Nice. Um, I trained up in, in the summer holiday and I came back. I was like a third year student, right? Uh, well, I hadn't started third year yet. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty clinical year student. Yeah. yeah. So I, I came back and I, I could do like a continuous laparoscopic stitch um, I could do like oh, the, wow. the knots, I can do all the, the tasks, I, um, all that stuff. And actually what I did was I went to YouTube and just practiced everything straight out of there. There's so many, so much online that you can do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, and then he, he saw it and he's like, wow, you're like, this is like reg level um, mm. skills. Um, so quite quickly in my third year, um, I started getting involved in the benchtop models. And I'd say by the mm. end of my third year, um, I was taking care of a lot of the, the teaching um, mm. so a lot of the hands-on teaching, um, so we have all the KSS trainees, they would come to guys hospital to get training on mm. laparoscopy. So it was, it was laparoscopy. And right. with that, we did, um, uh, nephrectomies. Um, but we also did, um, TRPs, TRBTs. Um, okay. we did, 
the uh, nephrostomy lines. Um, we did, um, yeah, this, this is like a whole range of different skills. Um, and I skilled up on all of them during my third year. Mm-hmm. Um, so within my third year, when people would come in, there'd be myself and some reps from Olympus or some reps from Intuitive uh, who do the Da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Because I also skilled yeah. up on, because we had the, for a while, we had the Da Vinci robot in the Simulab. So I also trained uh, up on that. Okay. Um, so yeah. guests and trainees would come and they always thought I was a rep. Um, yeah. <laughs> because they'd come in, I'd show them how to set up their stacks, how to turn it on, how to troubleshoot, uh, white balancing, mm. we'd go through all the procedures yeah. step by step, how to do it, um, some of the skills, and I'd give them tips and tricks. Um, yeah. And like they had no clue I was a medical student. Uh, yeah. like you know uh, cuz like you know can you imagine like a third year medical student turn up to your theaters and then they start speaking to the telling telling the reg what they should do that's never going to happen is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. definitely uh, yeah, it, so. it defies hierarchy it defies the way we we're, we're taught and trained so you it seems early on you took a lot of the opportunities that came away or you kind of sought them out you kind of had like what you were interested in you kind of leveled up you spent your time productively throughout the summer you know you didn't go away travel abroad you upskilled um what happened next what happened next so i thought so um my prof encouraged me he's like ali this is a great device because i basically um we published a paper on how to um yeah on take-home trainers um and it it was uh, it's really good actually it's quite it's not novel in that um sort of Build at home laparoscopic trainers were not necessarily that novel, but the implementation of basically um, using an iPad, a tablet, yeah. um, using the inbuilt screen and mon- and uh, and the camera, you could put it on this essentially a pop up box, uh, and you can mm. practice using that. And that was novel because iPads had just recently come out, and yeah. the kind of quality that you were getting out of the the iPads was much better than the webcam trainers. Even today, mm. you can go to like training um, events and they'll be using like these webcam trainers. That's such poor quality video. Um, whereas mm. if you just have like, you know, your phone is a much, much better camera. Quality. Um, yeah. And in fact, um, one, a lot of the sessions, the training sessions we did um, at Guys is I would connect my phone to the projector and we would go through skills. Ah, I see. Yeah. Um, uh, but basically they said, Ali, why don't you commercialize this? Mm. Um, so... Um, I'd already submitted uh, some abstracts to some conferences abroad in the States. Um, two of them happened both to be in San Diego um, and they were one month apart. So I went to the first one and I, was, I had this cardboard box. And yeah. so the event is called IMSH, which is the, I think the world's largest simulation conference. Um, and so we went, I went there and um, basically it's a showcase of simulators. Uh, and I had my mm. cardboard box and my little iPad um, <laughs> and some instruments. And I, there was a queue of people waiting um, to, to get to onto this. Oh, um, wow. Because it was like, it's so simple, it's so easy. And it was um, like something that they can make at home. The cardboard trainer, by the way, the, the first version of it, it, it's a cardboard box cut in mm. half diagonally. So yeah. it makes like a tent and you just ah, I see. cut lots of holes in it. Just And then you stick your little rods and prods and equipment and laparoscopic things yeah exactly it's amazing right yeah so uh so basically and then i went down i spoke to um the vent to speak to the vendors the first vendor i told him he's like ali put this away <laughs> um we put together um yeah we put together a patent uh design patent mm. um and then we uh i left him to it uh, and we set up a royalties agreement 
Mm -hmm. A month later, when I arrived, they had the models out. um, Wow. Yeah, out to to sell. And the demand was so high, people paid cash to take the display models home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Yeah. Because people are hungry for training. People really like. Of course. mm, Yeah. You want to get ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in like surgery, it's such a hyper competitive world and anything you know be it big or small to allow you to advance to become a consultant faster is is, is yeah, you know exactly we didn't actually talk about how did you go about by building this how did you go about building this thing um so no literally i got a cardboard box so in my mind yeah. like we need the um, you need a cavity yeah mm-hmm, you need yep. a camera and a screen mm-hmm. right so i got a cardboard box i cut it diagonally so that way i can get like a 45 degree angle yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then you can look straight in so that was the box. Uh, I, I cut it in half, and then I made some space to get some nat- natural light in there. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um, Such a simple thing. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's, that, that's the great thing about it. I mean, f- okay. Um, funny story. Um, yeah. So the iPad was running low on battery, oh. um, <laughs> so I connected it up to um, a power bank. Right. Yeah. I think power banks were quite novel at the time. Like this, this is yeah. quite new, and um, people would come up to me and they tried to buy the power bank off me because they thought that that power bank was a computer that was set oh up for God. a simulator. Uh, and I kept yeah. trying to explain to them, I was like, no, 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 this is just, and I, this is just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's just the camera, like literally yeah. just using the camera. Um, yeah. And yeah. So that's, that's amazing. Ali, you're well ahead of times. That's you're what that definitely that's what well that ahead. <laughs> and bear in mind, like I want to reiterate while doing this, you are still a medical student, right? You are still, yeah. Um, through the middle of your your, your med school, um, not yeah. having qualified or graduated, you know, um, and you're out in kind of San Diego doing this. And yeah. the, another thing it showed was when it comes to innovation, entrepreneurship, and kind of products and solutions, it doesn't need to be the most fanciest high tech gear, high fidelity options. It's yeah. literally a card, but it's just to show the potential, yeah. right? Um, yeah, which is exactly. What you demonstrated well. Yeah, it's M- MVP. Um, yeah, like in its truest form. Yeah, in its truest form. And you can, you know, you can, if you Google my name and put a laparoscopic trainer, you should be able to find images of that cardboard box. All right, yeah. we're gonna put that when this story goes up. We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. put snippets. We're gonna you. have to look at that. Uh, so <laughs> you do, you go to San Diego, you present it, you get in touch yeah. with the vendors. They go out, they turn it into a, a product which you can sell. You've organized the royalty agreement. Um, I imagine you come back to med school. Uh, yeah. And then what was the next phase of that journey? Okay. What happened? Um, yeah. So, um, that did, that did really well, I'd say, mm. um, my, my simulation journey continued. Um, and I, I mm. got, uh, I started to build a brand, uh, like a, a name for myself for urology simulation and education. Um, funny story. Like another funny story is, yeah. um, so I got really good. Um, when it came mm. to laparoscopic skills. Um, so when the UK, w- so this a competition called the, um, it's the interna- uh, it's this International Simulation Olympics for young urologists. Okay. Mm. Um, and it, it happens in Beijing, China every two years. Um, okay. So they, the UK sends two people. Um, so they sent mm. me as a representative of the UK. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, uh, and I was still a medical student, but they're like, don't oh, tell anyone you're a medical student. Um, so yeah. we went there um, and it's amazing. Uh, like we saw some of the the, um, the simulation labs in China and uh, we did a bit of touring. 
Uh, and basically what you do is you draw three envelopes and each envelope is a skill on a simulator. So I had to do mm-hmm. a nephrostomy line. I had to do a, um, a uh, I think, I believe it was a prostate resection. Um, mm-hmm. And I had to do a, um, a laparoscopic stitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went there and um, like I, I knew these skills like the back of my hand. Uh, so there was about 30 registrars and I think two young consultants. Um, mm. and I came third. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. incredible. Please tell me you were a medical student like that. Did you ever disclose it or is this the first time? No, no, no. Like this is the first time I disclosed this, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm, no one knows this this day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, just close friends know this. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I always found it like, but this is, this is the power of like, um, uh, self-motivated learning and if yeah. you, uh, and I'll, I'll totally admit like back then I would not be able to handle the patient in the clinic uh, I didn't have perhaps the uh, definitely not the same clinical knowledge as a lot of these other guys but when it came to mm. the the technical tasks and how to perform them mm. and um, mm. like the mm. efficiency of motion and um, the step-by-step and um, mm. all of that like I'd really nailed yeah um, no that's amazing yeah. it goes to show the potential and if you kind of put your mind to something what you can achieve and it's not limited yeah. to grade rank yeah. um, and careers right like you want a urology trainee or whatever um you're able yeah. to kind of do it exactly um yeah i mean to be honest i was a very average medical student um mm. but it's it's um i was the kind of person who if i really like something i really immerse myself in it um and yeah. i think some of the subjects i i didn't enjoy too much so i didn't really yeah. mm. i did well in like certain domains and not so well in other domains yeah. Um, which I, is the case yeah yeah and i think it's probably a healthy way of doing it um because yeah. it allows you to kind of explore so many other options and kind of hone in yeah. on the stuff you really do enjoy and become yeah. kind of like a niche specialist um we've got a good idea of how you are as a medical student now so yeah. tell us about touch surgery like digital yes. surgery how did that come about uh, okay. we'll put a disclaimer you are not related to, to the co-founder <laughs> um but yeah, tell us that story um because yeah. i think a lot of people will be keen to hear it Okay, um, so I'd commercialized a few things, a few ideas uh, as a medical student, and I'd given a talk at the RSM Innovation Summit around um, innovation in the UK and how to get like products out there. Um, mm. And then a few months later, um, Jean Nemi was and Andre Chow, who were the co-founders of um, Touch Surgery at the time, um, now mm. known as Digital Surgery, um, they were mm. coming to give a, a talk as well at the RSM at the same event. Um, mm. The organizer got in touch. He's like, Ali, um, why don't you come down to this event? Um, I'd like to introduce you to some people. So I was like, mm. oh, yeah, sure, I'd love to go. Um, so I turned up to RSM and uh, I saw their talk and I was like, ah, oh, this guy's definitely Lebanese like me. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I got chatting with them and um, essentially that was the person who the introduction was supposed to be with. Um, so we sat down, we had some dinner and um, we started talking about simulation. Uh, at the time, touch mm. surgery was in its early days. Um, it, we really needed to um, drive the um, the research behind um, like surgical simulation with touch surgery as a simulator. Mm-hmm. So the, really, what they wanted is this research lead, someone who can sort of really drive things and move things forward. Um, mm. So I was like, okay, yeah, I, I knew exactly what he wanted. So I, when I went home, I put together a plan of like what he should do, the yeah. kinds of studies he needs to promote. Um, mm. And a bit of a roadmap, and I was like, "Hey, John, this is what you this is what you guys need to do." Um, so we mm. got chatting, and basically they gave me a job offer. I said, "Okay, this is awesome." While a medical wow. student, yeah. Uh, as a medical student, I told I told them, "Look, my 
my uh, finals, uh, my OSCEs yeah. end at this date. Yeah. Um, so I can't, uh, give me like a week to rest and then I'll, uh, uh, I'll, start I'll, I'll pop in and we'll start. So that's what we did. Uh, so to kind of break it down a bit for the listeners, this is at the point where you are supposed to have graduated and started foundation training, right? Yeah. So, so I had to release my FY1 post um, and yeah. defer my F- yeah, uh, my FY1 mm. um, okay. to take up that job role. Um, and what so yeah yeah earlier on you said uh, you wanted to be a surgeon right you got all yeah. these surgical skills under your belt what made you pivot and realize no this is where uh, this is the thing that I love this is where I want to be and clearly you're happy you're smiling at every moment <laughs> this yeah. camera is just full of your smile yeah. right now so yeah. what when did you realize you know what this is where I where I want to be yeah um, so I. I I really just like take. I really like to take up opportunities and just see where it leads. When I first started medical school, I said that the the one specialty, actually the two specialties, I'm not going to go into, are obstetrics and urology. Mm. Right? <laughs> I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of people going into medicine. You know, you're a teenager at the time. You're maybe mm. a little bit uh, immature, and you say, I, "I was like, I'm never going to those fields." Right? Yeah. Um, actually, not only did was like sort of ending up going down the urology path. I also did really well in my obstetrics uh, and even did mm. my electives in obstetrics. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, wow. yeah, but so the really just try everything and um, so I, in my mind I was like, okay, let me try uh, working in a, in a tech startup and see how that goes. Um, and I wasn't mm. planning, you know, I deferred. Uh, I deferred the first yeah. year, then I deferred again the second year, yeah. and then it just I was like. Right. Yeah, by the, by the end of the second year, I was like, am I really going to go back? Um, and the yeah. difference was, um, it was about impact that, I, that you were having. Mm. So um, in my first two years uh, working at Touch Surgery um, as uh, the academic lead, um, essentially what I did was um, I was working with all the big name universities, right? Uh, mm. Working with their simulation teams, working with them on like... Uh, um, like recommending papers, helping them to set up studies, um, going discussing with them like methodologies and feasibility studies and pa- how to power mm. their studies. Um, and, you know, I was working with like Harvard, Duke, um, Dartmouth, Hitchcock, oh, wow. um, Stanford, um, wow. uh, uh, Johns Hopkins. Um, we set up studies in Rwanda. We did, um, we did obviously like UCL, Imperial College, yeah. um, uh, Toronto, like, mm. It was a phenomenal experience. International, yeah. Yeah. And we had like, at the time, I think uh, we'd reached like 1 million users on the app. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy what Touchstone did at that time. Yeah. At what phase did you join the company? So there were the two co-founders, you were the yeah. academic lead. How big was the team? Because yeah. we're talking a good six, seven okay. years ago. Yeah. Uh, so what was this the dynamic was, like then? Um, so I think they just finished their, um, uh, like I think it was a seed extension round or a seed round. Okay. Um, mm. There was about 15 employees um, mm. at the time. Uh, and then they just had a, a batch of us came in together mm. um, after, to join at that time. Um, it was in a basement office in uh, Farringdon. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it was, um, it was uh, another doctor who started with me. Um, his name is mm. Costas Fantis. Um, mm. And there was us two, and then there was the co-founders, and we were like the mm. medical table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there was a studio, um, and you know the team, like John and Andre had, they built a phenomenal team. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone was very high caliber and mm. absolute pleasure to work with. Yeah. No, definitely. Let the, cause it's, it recently got acquired. Yeah. Do you want to kind of tell for how much? Cause I think a lot of people would be okay. surprised to think like, you know, this little app, you know, <laughs> playing around yeah. with this little surgery. Kind of tell that story how much it kind of got acquired for. Yeah. Um, so technically we can't say. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. You know what? Like, <laughs> if I was going tech crunch, or you yeah. know, what would yeah, I say? No, uh, so it was. It wasn't. It's an undisclosed sum, um, but okay. I would say like we we all did really well uh, as an early mm. as an early joiner. Um, I had uh, options mm. in the company, um, which yeah. is like really beneficial for me uh, during exit. Like we would we grew within a six year span. We grew from fifteen people to one hundred and sixty employees. Oh wow. Um, spanning like uh, yeah we had millions of people using the app every day we had launched mm. like in the the last few years uh, we we made like huge leaps in artificial intelligence um yeah. and computer mm. vision um mm. yeah and, and actually, yeah uh, and at that time so i quite quickly moved from the academic lead into a uh, head of like a head of product role yeah um, i think i was gonna talk about tell us about that transition so yeah you were always fascinated with technology product you kind of upskilled yourself even from an academic point of view you knew yeah. research kind of the different modalities yeah. um how did you transition into kind of a product yeah. which is a very different ball game yeah so when i decided not to go back to medicine so in my so i've done two years in, my, in a, with an academic hat because in my mind i would be an academic surgeon uh but then when i decided look i don't think i'm gonna go back so let me, what's the best mm. for me and i really enjoyed entrepreneurship and again like mm. the reason why i decided to stay was really about impact um mm. like I could be working in a company that's helping you know a million people learn how to do surgery or i could do yeah. a few procedures a week right yeah. um that's not to undermine what a surgeon or a doctor does i mean that's no, it, in yeah. itself is phenomenal the impact you can have on an individual's life is huge um yeah. i really enjoy teaching and in my mind is it could, could i could i help train like hundreds of thousands of trainees um yeah. on skills yeah. uh, and to me that yeah. was a phenomenal mind-blowing idea um yeah. yeah so in my mind I was like, okay i'm really interested in entrepreneurship it seems to be a, like a recurrent theme for me mm-hmm. um and i really didn't want to sort of stay in this academic role because it was starting to become um uh, well the research was starting to become organic anyway at, at touch surgery like mm. in universities would um, knew what to do now and they would just get on with it um so um as, in my mind I was like, okay how do i get into building product building tech uh, building yeah. med tech um, and the best way to do that is actually get into a product role um, so mm. I quickly transitioned to a product role uh, and then quite quickly I sort of moved up that um, the product or the product organization within med within touch surgery um, until by the end of it um, I was in charge of um, the product managers as well mm-hmm. as I had my own team who is essentially doing like um, yeah really bespoke ways of doing annotation for machine learning yeah no it's amazing, amazing. especially amazing. for someone that had kind of i guess you had real life experience rather than any kind of formal training formal qualifications as you'd expect for like a product um officer role. but what does that role entail because we hear it a lot a lot of yeah. us are medics by background what does it mean to be a product yeah. officer or product manager yeah um i think a lot of people um a lot of people get into it as uh we call them Product, scrum product owners or, or yeah. actually product owners. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of, it, it, every company has its own definition of what a product owner or product manager does. Um, I like personally, um, the product role is, mm. and a lot of people think it's about being creative and solving problems. 
it's not mm. so much about you being this really clever person who's going to solve the problems of the world, right? You'd be arrogant to think that you, you had some special training that's going to help you as an individual mm. come up with all the best solutions. Um, being Having a product mindset and, um, and using an agile uh, method um, to uh, improve and develop things is really about you owning a process and facilitating mm. that process um, mm. I think in the lean startup, they say um, mm. innovation is is um, the really boring processes. It's not the yeah. the really f- cool fancy tech, yeah. um, and that yeah. that that's the difference between suc- a successful startup and um, one that's doomed. Um, now, something unique about um, this big boom right now and with um, yeah. clinical entrepreneurship, like no yeah. one can solve the problems within healthcare. Um, quite as well as a healthcare professional can or someone who can go in Mm. and play the role and really empathize with the user. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of product product managers, good ones, um, they can do reasonably well. But I think unless, Mm. you know, when when I show up to a clinic or when I show up to theaters or wherever, I know what's happening. I, we we have that mm. experience. We uh, we have the background. You you play the role, right? You understand the mm. hierarchies. Mm. You understand who to talk to, what individuals, um, the contributions different people do, um, mm. and that really helps you to when you want to sort of problem solve. When you when you want to engage individuals with the problem solving process, um, mm. when you know what's feasible, what's not feasible. You know, we've all used like we understand that things need to work on Internet Explorer. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. like every single product manager is yeah. banging their head on the table when they hear Internet Explorer. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. No, uh, but it's good. And I do agree. Yeah. I think you need to be close to a problem to be able to really solve it to a degree exactly. where it really does have impact to yeah. the user. That's the key. I, I, you've nailed it on the head there. People, everyone's trying to solve other people's problems. Um mm stop like just stop it like <laughs> seriously like it sounds i don't know why but like solve problems that you are personally like vested in because yeah that's what's going to make you um build not not something, something unique but really something that's going to add value because yeah. if you're not willing to pay for something then no one else is mm. and like I, all the time like people will come up to me like uh, I wanna, I'll give you one example. Someone said, oh, I want to build a social media platform. It's going to be unique and revolutionary. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Uh, which social media platforms are you on? He's like, oh, I don't, I'm not on social media because I don't enjoy them. Yeah. I was like, how can you build a social media platform if you're not engaged in any social media platforms? But yeah. you see this all the time. It's like, oh, I want to build um, this thing for clinicians or I want to build this thing for um, all these, like, these other individuals. And it's like, how does this ref- how does this come back to you? And a lot of people, mm. it doesn't. So when they build yeah, something, yeah. they completely miss the mark. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, I think, good advice for all the entrepreneurs and doctorpreneurs and all these terminologies thrown out there. Tell us, so touch surgery or digital surgery gets acquired and yeah. then you move on. So what happens to this part of your phase of your career? Um, okay. Do you, you know, how does it work? You know, obviously yeah. in medicine, you have this trajectory. You know what you're doing next. Yeah. So tell us how it was for you. Okay. Um, so I knew the acquisition was coming. Um, so mm. I said, okay, it's uh, <laughs> it's a new year. I'm going to... Because the acquisition happened in February um, of last year. So I said, it's a great opportunity. I'm going to um, sp- travel a bit. I'm going mm. to... Um, you know, I've got enough money to sort of start my own startup um, mm-hmm. and mm. uh, invest in some other startups as well. Right. Mm. Uh, so um, I got the first thing I did was 
um, I started working on a platform called Appraisal, which okay. is an events management platform. And mm. The idea was um, Eventbrite, um, mm. but for healthcare education. Um, and mm. in itself, it's, it's not novel in itself around, mm. um, I think there's, there's a lot of platforms out there and you guys have one too. I had one too. Yeah, 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 yeah we did, yeah. <laughs> so when we saw it, I was like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, this is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so we, we know the problem um, yeah. And we had our own difficulties and obstacles we faced, which meant we could no longer continue. Are you still kind of working on that? Because it seems yeah. you're quite busy with a lot of things yourself anyway. Yeah. Um, so appraisal is still going. So with appraisal, what I really wanted to build is, um, I still did a lot of teaching and I still helped out with a, with a lot of organizers. And mm. I'd learned a lot about automation. So I really mm. focused on, on how can we automate a lot of the redundant processes um, that event managers do. Um, to make it mm. as simple as a click of a button. So like, mm. um, so that was what appraisal was all focused about. Um, so we I built an MVP and we launched it. Um, and and it, was, it was really cool, simple um, functionality. It did things mm. like you could schedule all your emails in advance. You can invite people. Mm. You had templates that you could use. Your certificates were automatic, automatically generated. Your feedback forms mm. were like really easy to build. Um, mm -hmm. people don't get their certificates until they complete their feedback forms. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so we had like, real issues that people face. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And what we found is we could save event organizers somewhere between one working day up to about a working week based on some oh, of these wow. really simple, um, automations. Um, we launched it two weeks later, there's the national lockdown. Yeah, <laughs> <And then> everything <laughs> uh, comes to that's all. That's the we, problem we faced as well. Like all of a sudden, the courses and conferences are drying up, yeah. and medicals aren't doing any more teaching sessions, so there's not enough there feedback no to event. go on. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, crap. Exactly. Yeah. So I imagine you're in a similar boat. Yeah, and I just I just put in lots of my own money into this as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, I pivoted it a little bit and to mm. support webinars but the idea was just let's sit on it and wait to see what happens um in the meantime mm. um i was catching up with a lot of my old friends from the clinic entrepreneur program mm. um i've yeah. been part of the program since year one mm. and um basically what i said is i'm gonna take some of my cash and invest that in some of the startups um so i started mm. speaking with ash um who's the ceo of medishout um mm. and i really loved what medishout do um it's mm. so simple and yeah anyone who's sort of been in a hospital can really understand the um the ancient methodologies of reporting problems yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah. and what medishart does is um essentially it's, it's where i work now as chief of product uh, and basically what we do is we go in and we map all the various reporting processes within a hospital and then mm. to a staff member um through the app or a web browser mm. you can find uh, we have a very simple interface for you to report any issue that you find in the hospital. Yeah. And on our mm. side, we integrate it with the various different help desks, escalation policies, yeah. the various individuals and managers and, um, yeah, the, the systems that I go on in the background. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And like you said, you need to be a clinician or work in a hospital yeah. in any capacity, not even a doctor or nurse, to yeah. kind of see the frustrations. For us, it's simple stuff like the printer's not working or you know the cows you know the computers mm -hmm. on the, the the things that aren't working yeah. or the keyboards not working the right click like and it's such a mundane process you have to go through the exactly. it death and then it's another yeah. number so yeah. what you guys are doing when i heard about it yeah um was amazing it's like why didn't this exist before 
give, and, give us an idea of how big that problem is on a system level now because okay. why why make reporting easier yeah um so like personally you know we've all we've all seen it before uh, i'm sure you guys yeah. had to report something and the amount of time that you waste um yeah. i think cl clinicians spend um like two-thirds of their day doing admin um yeah. i accept that's not all reporting uh but something like you know um i'll give you one example so we turned up to theaters one day um this is mm. pre-medi shout and um someone had forgot to log something in the system mm. um about a patient coming in so because the patient wasn't logged in properly um we couldn't uh, administer the anesthetist couldn't administer the anesthetic so we couldn't start theaters right oh, wow. so um you had a team of um, a consultant surgeon, his registrar. Um, you had um, our team uh, from med mm. from touch surgery, um, and uh, we had and the patient was consented and ready to go. Um, the anaesthetist, the anaesthetist trainee. Uh, you have the nursing staff, the scrub nurse. Uh, yeah, you've got everyone, like everything's ready to go. Patient is just waiting to go down. He's been fasting. Um, and mm. we had to wait three hours of just like everyone oh, twiddling wow. their thumbs wow. and the medical students were there as well. So they got some teaching, but, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, it's just, just like inefficiencies like everywhere. Um, yeah. mm. Ash, Ash has a, like, a he talks about how he had to cancel operating lists because of like broken light bulbs. Um, oh, wow. like every time we go into hospital, um, like we, like there's always like one um, consultant calling IT about resetting their password, yeah. um, right? Uh, yeah, that was me a yeah. few weeks ago. That <laughs> was me. It takes I don't know why, hours. Bro. It takes in the morning, hours I logged in the morning to do my ward run. I'm documenting bloods and obs and whatever. Come afternoon, I can't log into nothing. Like, and it's busy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't need to explain to you how busy it is, and you're like stressing, like, yo, I need to yeah. see images and to do this, and yeah. I get it. Like, exactly, it's amazing what you guys are doing, yeah. and. Congratulations, so report, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. So tell us how it actually works in terms of like, um, is it yeah. app based or anyone can do it, right? Um, yeah, so essentially anyone, uh, if you are, if you have a staff email, um, you can log in. Um, we are at um, a few trusts. So if you're mm. at St. Mary's in A&E, um, the mm. whole uh, Medishout looks after that. Um, if you're in um, Basildon, Broomfield or Southend hospitals, uh, and mm. quite soon we're coming to a few, uh, a few more hospitals. Uh, we're just sorting yeah. out the integrations. Um, a few more in London um, as well. Uh, yeah, I can't say too much, but and, no, and outside no, of no, London. That's fine. Yeah. But, no, that's amazing. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. I think the work you're doing is great. Plus, I think you raised like a million um, yes. in a recent round, which was Yeah, so since um, I joined uh, MediShout, um, we, um, yeah, we've raised uh, 1.2 million pounds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, which amazing. is amazing. Yeah. Um, we're conscious of time um, and we know you need to rush off, but you can clearly see you have a passion for what you're doing. You're very good at what you're doing. You always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit, innovation, problem solving since I guess from the first year of med school and we've seen it with our own eyes. Um, what advice would you give to other people out there that you know want to be an entrepreneur, they don't want to take that leap or yeah. they just want to get opportunities and do something what you're doing? Yeah. What would you give advice to them? Okay. Um, the first thing I tell people is, um, like, know what entre entrepreneurship is, know what innovation is, and know what academia mm. is, because they're very different mm. roles. Um, mm. a, a lot of people, they follow, 
they're following like the with they we fall within the hype it's very easy to fall within the hype like to be an entrepreneur you're going to have to take mm-hmm. financial risks right uh, and go down a a very long journey um <laughs> and it is a commercial journey right yeah. um and there's there's big rewards for doing that um but you that's something you're going to want to enjoy doing um mm. and a lot of people come to me is like oh you know uh, i'm on the i'm on this entrepreneurship program and uh, mm. i want to take this thing forward and i'm like why do you want to do that what what do you want to get out of mm. this and they're like i just want to have like a great impact for my patient mm. and i was like well, what you're presenting could be done as a as an audit or it could be done as a um Man, like, you're shattering dreams, bro. Hi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's very true. We need someone like you to yeah. kind of. Um, and some some stuff is innovation, right? Some stuff hmm. like uh, like I have this great novel idea for this great device or whatever, and I'm just like, look, hmm. um, like firstly, are you the right person to take this forward? What do you want to get out of this? Is it because hmm. um, altering a device is going to help you do better surgery? Like if that's if that's your goal. Don't mm. try and launch a business that builds surgical devices, right? Because that mm. is one mm. painful, long-ass journey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speak to a company that does this. They'll build this out mm. like relatively quickly. And then mm. um, you can have the tool that you want that's going to help you deliver, deliver better care, right? Mm. Um, so I'm, like, know what what is it you want to get out of your journey. Um, mm. so, you know, some mm. people, they, you, know, you want to improve like... Uh, you want to decrease antibiotic resistance, right? That doesn't mean mm. go out and build and you know start uh, build a machine learning oh, algorithm that's going to oh. like read in real time, you know, the various resistances popping up by regional. Like, sure, you could do that, but it's what impact are you going for? Um, and yeah. then decide if the entrepreneurship journey is the right one for you. Uh, so that's the first thing. Um, and the second thing is um, pick something that's personal to you, right? Mm. Um, pick something either your specialty or your interest or just something that you have a really good understanding of um, don't mm. try and solve other people's problems mm. try and solve problems that you're close to because um, mm. like it'll save you like months if not years of work by no like by going with something yeah and the other thing is uh, a lot of people are trying to be entrepreneurs and mm. as a result you like a lot of people don't think about this, but you dilute um, uh, or you create a lot of background noise um, for other entrepreneurs out there by you putting yourself out there. Um, mm. So really know that you, this is something you genuinely want to pursue because like off, um, like about a third of the people that I speak to just want to launch a locum company to build some extra cash on the side, but they're trying to present it as this like novel concept. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but by you yeah. pitching yourself as a tech company with like novel, blah, 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 what you're doing is you're competing for that same bandwidth of like investors. Yeah. And then of yeah. these people like, who get investment, you're taking investment away from other ideas. From so unless yeah. you're genuinely, because there's this mentality in the, the startup space, which is just like, Build something, get it out there, get investment, and then keep pivoting until you find good market fit. But the problem mm. with that is um, there are so many startups, and I think like 90% of startups fail. Fail, yeah. And I think that's genuinely because a lot of these people are using this mentality of get it out there, collect, take funding, um, burn through that funding to try and make get market fit. And realistically, I think the vast majority of like that small 10% are people mm. who generally try and solve their own problems, and that's why they succeed. Mm. So what happens is you're mm. taking away 90% of that funding uh, see. Um, from people who are genuinely trying to do
do things that they have very intricate knowledge about, uh, problems that they intricately, intricately uh, like really, yeah, <laughs> uh, they really understand and they can really solve. Um, yeah. And actually a lot of, you know, uh, and and stop using buzzwords. Like everyone, um, everyone goes in and they say, oh, we're using machine learning and artificial intelligence and um, mm. and we're using blockchain and da, 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 da. Like we have, <laughs> um, and you can see like when we're, like people like me are sitting in the audience who actually understand, like know what machine learning is and know what artificial yeah. intelligence is. Um, or what blockchain is like, we we laugh at some of the stuff because people will present things, and I'm just like, mm. I can do this on an Excel sheet, or I can do this on Google Docs or Google Sheets, mm. right? We need to um, pitch to to Ali our latest yeah. idea, man. <laughs> yeah. like, um, because I like a lot of my friends come to me, they're like, Ali, I want to do this thing, and I use machine learning, and da 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 da. I'm just like, relax. Um, mm. What data do you have, and what data are you trying to present back? And I was like, okay, mm. let's your MVP. Google Sheet, mm. these are the five formulas that you need to put together um, in a coherent mm. way. And that's mm. you, that's it. Like, then do you genuinely need, do you genuinely need machine learning for this? Yeah, uh, no, I love that. Most people think, don't. Yeah, and do you know yeah. what? <laughs> I think we need to bring you back again to talk about how to validate an idea, what it really means, mm. kind of problem, kind of pain points and all of that stuff. I think, I don't know if you've noticed or I think there is maybe a bit of a hype around it. It's like a cool thing to do. It's cool to have your own startup. It's like a, I don't know, you get like, you know, portfolio points and it's all of this hype. And I think, yeah. I don't know if it is a bubble and it dies down. Whereas I know there are genuine people that are struggling mm. and yeah. So I see I think where you're heading, from. Yeah. I think we're heading down a very dangerous path as a, as a community, just because um, one of the things that disenfranchised me from academia is because mm. academia, I was really interested in science. I was really interested in research um, and going to a lot of conferences and really trying to understand like what research is um, mm. and then looking at what people are act actually doing in, in, in research. And what I found is the vast majority of research were people who had to publish something within an academic year. So they would yeah. take on projects, mm. they would do their academic thing, they'd collect their points and then the, the study dies or the progress, the yeah. progression of that concept dies. Mm. Mm. Um, and then all these journals, you have so many journals and everyone's trying to, fighting to get into these journals, but the vast majority, and admittedly, even some of like, in hindsight, some of my papers, like mm. nowhere near there are like, I'm surprised some of them got published. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's because this, this, this point system, point-based system mm. has meant that a lot of science has moved into pseudoscience and a mm. lot of research has become like checkbox exercises so now that yeah. the people who genuinely are interested in academia and research right their space is so polluted by individuals taking up that space and creating so much background noise that mm -hmm. they they're finding it hard to excel right and people people are just mm -hmm. doing you know they're like oh if i if i can get like x number of um publications i'm, I'm more likely to get this role well to be honest exactly. with you if you're not genuinely interested in academia like stay away from these academic roles and let mm, you know mm. and stay away from these research roles because the people who love these research roles they're going to do phenomenally well right people yeah. who love teaching mm. are going to love working in a teaching hospital and they're going to do really well in them but now when you go exactly. to these hospital teaching hospitals it's a lottery who you get um, it's yeah, a lottery, yeah, like the quality, the research that you see. And basically there's a lot of, as a result, um, there's a lot of pseudoscience. There's a lot of, there's so many journals out there, like um, low value journals. And um, just because people want something on PubMed, like they want a mm, PubMed ID. The ID, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, the DF actually removed it. Yeah. Okay. And 
uh, probably because of like the impact that this is that um this exactly thing is exactly now, what you're yeah and now we're doing the same thing with entrepreneurship everyone's trying to be entrepreneurial yeah. like you can't all be entrepreneurial like um i interviewed for um one of the uh, entrepreneurship programs and mm. like 80 percent of the pitches were like for two ideas and everyone thinks they're being novel right yeah <laughs> um, instead like all these people should just collaborate with one another um mm. because if you're genuinely there to have the impact then a collaboration like you should be able to drop your ego and collaborate with others who yeah. um mm. if they're genuinely good people and doing well in that space collaborate with others and uh, and move forward together uh, i think mm. that's that's how we progress and we should no, like definitely. not give any points um for people who want to just... you'll find you know it's it's not a deterrent like um like people people like me people like jean andre um yeah. ash who's the ceo of medishout like there's so many entrepreneurs we we had to sort of swim up like swim against the current um mm. to mm. to to actually um to get to where we are uh, and now everyone's just like oh i you know i'm this innovation fellow at um, um, even though like they're first year medical students and they have, you yeah. ask them like, what, what, what do you want to do? And they're like, I'm not sure yet. And it's like, okay, well, are you really an innovation mm-hmm. fellow? What makes you entrepreneurial? Like, yeah, nah, it's, it's, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. You swam against the, the, the tide. And I have to admit to that because when I saw you as your, your junior, I thought the same, like, what is Ali doing? He was, you were going against the tide whilst I think now everyone's going with the tide and yeah. everyone, like you said, everyone is going into innovation roles and it's like, well, what are yeah. you really doing? Hmm. Um, completely agree with those sentiments. Yeah. No, yeah. definitely. I think um, this has been a very fruitful conversation. It's really nice to kind yeah. of um, catch up with you again for the listeners. Um and I think you have a lot of experience and yeah. I would kind of recommend if you're happy for people to reach out to you for advice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I it's been good. With Ali, we might need to do a little quick uh, pod course or something like that yeah. on how to bring an idea to life. I mean, you took a box, a cardboard box and sold it. Yeah. You managed two different products, loads of products actually. Yeah. Um, and I think you'd be amazing yeah. for our listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I've done a lot in terms of um, physical, pro- physical product prototyping and digital product prototyping. And what a lot of people don't see is I have a whole drawer full of prototypes, mockups. Um, yeah. I have like so <laughs> many MVPs like um, that don't see the light of day. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's part of the journey. Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's been incredible. You've had an amazing journey. Um, wish you. you even more success and I know you're just going to continue smashing it uh, but yeah it's, it's opened our eyes up a lot and I'm sure there are a lot of listeners that want to get a bit of understanding of how to kind of pursue a role similar to yours we'll, we'll get that insight um, so thank you Ali and a massive thank you to our listeners uh, 